Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by the wonderful Jackie Barry. Jackie, welcome. Hello. Experiential speaking, it's there behind you. I can't ignore it. Tell us about what it is that you're doing right now. Thanks, Amy. What you can see behind me is a copy of the book, Experiential Speaking, and that is one of the things that I do. In 2019, it wasn't the best time to launch a book of icebreakers, energizers and games for speakers and trainers that assume everybody is in the same place at the same time. But even that is just a bit of a side hustle for me, because what I really do is three different things, and they are all to do with engaging an audience. The first thing I do is as a copywriter, and that is to communicate with an audience through the written word on paper or on screen. And that's been my entire working life, and it's still about a third of what I do. Then, as a speaker and trainer, I communicate with audiences through the spoken word, and that is on-site or online. And this side hustle, the experiential speaking, that is when the best way to get a message across is for the audience to participate in an activity. And it all comes from being a writer. It all comes from knowing what is the best way to get your message across. And since I published that book, which was in response to demand from members of the local professional speaking association who asked me where I got all my ideas, and they said, what book do you get your ideas from? And I said, no book. I get my ideas out of my own brain. And they said, you must write the book then. So I did. And now I am asked regularly how to engage an audience on Zoom or other online video platforms. And I'm writing a new book called Unboring. And that is because so many of us are so tired of sitting in little boxes and only being able to communicate with each other that way. And people are so sick of attending boring Zoom meetings and suffering from Zoom fatigue and sick of Skype and tired of Teams. So my new book will cover all the games and activities and other tools you can use to bring your meetings to life and make sure your audience isn't bored and that they stay engaged and that they get the message that you're trying to get across. Now, I had to Google because I, I saw you on Instagram with your unboring posts. And I was I had to Google whether unboring was an actual word because it's not one that I've heard being used in, in common language. But it is. It is a word. And of course, it is a word because you wouldn't be using it, essentially, I'm sure. It is a word. And as a wordsmith, um, I had to double check as well and make sure that it is a word. And it is hopefully a word that readers will respond to. So your work, Jackie, seems to be in response to demand, which is perfect because then you know you've got a business. Have you always been working in from that perspective or did you work differently before? I was an employee 
20 years ago at Freeman's Catalogue. This is where I started my copywriting career. And I used to write things like black skirt, two patch pockets, material 50% polyester, 50% cotton, available in sizes 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, all garments washable, please see size guides at the back of the catalogue. That's how I started my copywriting career, knowing how to sell off the page in a very small space. But when I got made redundant from that job, and I've jumped over quite a period of time because I ended up as senior manager with a team of copywriters and designers reporting to me in a convertible company car and flying all over the world on expenses, having more fun than anyone has the right to in their working life and doing internal comms projects and marketing projects and rebranding projects. Anyway, I took redundancy when I got put back into my old creative department, but I wasn't writing anymore, which is what I'd always wanted to do and thought, what shall I do? next and I went looking for a job uh, but couldn't actually get one which is how I ended up freelancing and I in my first year metaphorically spread out my wares on a table there were about five different things I could do and metaphorically in a position of roll up roll up and buy something and it was very clear very soon where the demand was coming from. It was, funnily enough, for the thing that I was best at, which was the copywriting. And I've been, as I said, a freelance copywriter ever since. That's so interesting that you, I, I love the metaphorically sort of rolled out or spread out your wares on, on, a, on a table and, and identified that the copywriting was the thing. Now, selling off a page and having that minimalistic approach is really curious because copywriting, you have to capture people's attention. You have to get them on board straight away. Now, I know that the black skirt with machine washable and all that isn't exactly exciting, but it did still have to grab attention in, in one way. Now you're, as you said, right at the beginning, you're engaging an audience, a different type of audience through the words take yourself back before you were a copywriter where did this interest in words come from when I was at school writing was the thing that I was best at and it was all I ever wanted to do if you asked me to draw a self-portrait it would be a stick person with the letters of the alphabet around me because those are the tools of my trade I would be writing at weekends and evenings and holidays and in fact I still do even the writing I'm not paid to do by clients so when I was about 13, that's the kind of age when adults always say to you, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a writer. And a couple of things happened. One was that my mum's friend from up the road gave me a competition, a writing competition for her local church to write a story about the country then known as Zaire. It was previously the French and Belgian Congo, and now it's the Democratic Republic of the Congo. But at that time, it, and now people can work out how old I am, uh, it was known as Zaire. And she gave me a copy of the National Geographic magazine that had an article about Zaire in it because back then there was no such thing as Google. Anyway, it was a really good way for me to do research and I was able to read these articles in the National Geographic magazine to get an idea of what the landscape looked like, what people's names might be, and to write a story based around some of that information. A good lesson about doing your research before you write a word. But anyway, I won the competition. So there was some nice early endorsement of my idea that I wanted to be a writer. 
And again, at that time, schools, careers advisors would say to you, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'd say, I want to be a writer. And they would say, you don't want to be a writer. Writers starve in a garret. What do you want to do is be a teacher. There's always demand for those. And I'd say, no, 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 I really don't want to be a teacher. I want to be a writer. And the only kind of writing they'd heard of that made any money was journalism. And I went off after school to qualify as a journalist, though I never worked as one because the field of writing in any creative field is very competitive. And, and now, as then, it was hard to get a job. And the only job I got was writing for Freeman's catalogue, the foundation of my career. In fact, Drayton Bird, who's a very famous direct response copywriter, says the best copywriters are catalogue copywriters because they know, as you say, how to sell in the written word in a small space. And grabbing attention is one technique. Maintaining interest is the next one. Generating desire and then triggering action are the four classic steps in marketing copywriting. And you, you mentioned that when you were at Freeman's that you had more fun than you almost had a right to. I think there was your, your words, not exactly, but why was there a, a limit, do you feel, to having fun? Or, or what, what do you feel having fun in your work doesn't always sort of follow suit? Well, there's an irony there in that since I've been self-employed, I have also travelled the world on expenses and I've also had a convertible company car and I've also had more fun than anyone has a right to in their working life. But I think it comes to this purpose of life and meaning of the word why, because I always wanted to be a writer and I am one and I've made a career out of it. So I get paid for doing what I love and what I've always wanted to do. And that's what very few people end up doing. In fact, I have a best friend from school who still doesn't know what she wants to do. And she's obviously the same age that I am. So so now that you are grown up or maybe you're not there, what is it you want to be doing when you grow up, Jackie, now? <laughs> I don't want to grow up. I think that would be the answer to that question. And in fact, the older I've got, the more playful I've become. And one of the things that's happened is that I've been exploring improvised comedy. And that's unleashed the child within, in a way, and also granted me per permission to have as much fun and to chase the fun, follow the fun. And that might be to do with work, and it might be to do with social activities and so on. But it's this new area I'm exploring of the experiential speaking, the unboring activities for online events. It's getting the audience to join in more playful activities, gamifying what you do, making sure that they are involved, that keeps their attention and helps you communicate more effectively. So it's interesting you talk about gamifying the work that you do, Jackie, and gamification in the workplace is, is really interesting. But the improvised comedy and being more playful, people seem to leave that fun bit at the door when they turn up at work, whether they're physically in the office or whether they're on Zoom. What is it about leaving out the fun in a work environment? I don't think having fun is compulsory. And if you try and force people to do it, it's not going to happen. It needs to be naturally in your character. And I think what's happened as I've got older is that the fun side of me has come out more and more authentically, where before, certainly when I was in the corporate world, I would be more formal and suited and booted and behaving in what might be labeled a more professional style. And 
having fun seems to me what life is all about. And you can still do it while being professional. I can tell the story of how I got involved in improvised comedy. It was at a PSA event, a professional speaking association event in London, where John Creamer from the May Days was doing an improv workshop for an hour. And he started the session by saying, at the end of this, four of you are going to act in a play with no script and it will be the funniest thing ever. And in my head, I thought, never in a million years would I get involved in that. Anyway, he started his workshop and it began with people in pairs and then in small groups and then in small groups where the bigger group was listening in. It just built and it grew gently and slowly. And I was having so much fun. It was just like playing charades with the family. And in my brain, I was thinking, I can do this. I can do this. And we were all laughing and we were all enjoying it. I'd completely forgotten what he'd said at the start of the session until he then laid out four chairs at the front of the room and three people sat on three chairs. And my legs got up and walked me to sit on the fourth chair without my brain having anything to do with the decision. John remembers my face being white and a mask of fear, but I sat on that fourth chair and sure enough, we acted a play between the four of us that was unscripted and hilarious and I got the biggest laugh of the session and riding on that audience laughter just filled me with so much joy. I thought I must do more of this. And since then, almost every month I have done a session, gone to a show, learned more about it, read a book, watched a video, and actually, before lockdown, ended up in a musical improv troupe performing unscripted songs, not knowing what character, scene, role, lyric, tune I would be having to act and sing along to. And that has leaked into daily life. It's made me a more relaxed and rounded human being, I think. I love that you said it leaked into daily life. It's brilliant. So in terms of touching on the purpose and the why, has it always been a conscious element to your work? I think that there are four words to answer that question if you are not being simply responsive to what the world is offering you. And the words are decide what you want. The word decide means you actually commit to it. You make a decision. What means you have to be very specific. You means it's your decision. It almost comes from within, not from what other people around you might be trying to influence you to do. And want means you really want it. You don't just drift in and out of wondering whether that might be a nice thing. You want it. And I wanted to be a writer. It's been my focus from the start and it has remained my focus and it is a huge part of my identity. One of the things I've had to learn actually is how to relax out of having that label because, for example, if a client would give me feedback on copy that I'd written, I might get a bit twitchy about it and think, well, what do they know? I'm the professional writer. I've done it that way for a reason. Um, but I've relaxed about that and realised, actually, I'm not Jackie Barry the writer. Well, I am, but I'm first Jackie Barry the human being who happens to be a writer. And that's been a shift that 
links with what we've been talking about, actually, this fact of being the human being that is fun and can have fun and that can make people laugh with some of the events that I do and some of the comedy that I do, but that also can be serious and professional and help them do what they want as clients, which is make more money through the copy that me and my team produce for them. And the story where you shared that you were walked over by your feet and your brain was essentially led to the chair to get involved in something. Is it a case that the the physical Jackie takes over sometimes the, the overthinking Jackie? That's the secret of improv, that you stop your intellectual mind from editing what you do and what you say. And all you do is react to what you're given. And in fact, that's all we can do in life because we don't have a script. You can't overthink, overplan, overprepare anything. That doesn't actually help anyone, least of all you. All you can do is be the best you can be in any given moment and live in the now, respond to what you're given and do your best. And how much do you edit the past of, of what you've experienced? Do, do you think overthink or do you think about what's happened in the past and, and reflect on it or do you just move forwards? Editing is a great word for a writer. What I have done is, for example, edit my filing system in the home office and throw lots of things away and shred them and bin them. But I don't edit life. I also don't look back and regret and I don't look very far forward and plan because that involves too much thinking. Looking back is just memory and that doesn't exist. And looking forward is just imagination and that doesn't exist. In fact, it's only based on memory. Some real and some films or books or plays or stories you've heard. And the only thing you can really do is be in the moment. And has that been something that you have arrived at? Is that, is that a, an understanding or a learning that's taken you some kind of, of, of building of knowledge to get to that point? Or have you always felt that way? I haven't always felt that way. Before I discovered improv, I was much shyer. And although I'm in the professional speaking world, I'm not the first to jump into the spotlight on stage. And although I have sung and danced and done comedy on stage, I have to force myself to step out of the wings and be that person. It doesn't come naturally to me. So parallel to discovering improv, I also went through some business coaching. And I know that this is something that you offer, Amy, to your clients as well, uh, to help people discover their purpose in life. But I had reached, I suppose, a financial glass ceiling in my career and all the strategies I tried I just couldn't break through it and I decided I needed some help uh, I had a year of mentoring in a group and that didn't really help me either it got me so far but not far enough partly because with 20 people in the group he might give 20 pieces of advice but only one would be relevant to me and so I threw myself on the mercy of a coach that I've known for years to say, help me. I just need to sort my fees out because I know I've been undercharging, I've been undervaluing myself, and, and this is where the problem lies. And I thought what he would do would be work with me just to double my fees. But that's not what happened. Instead, he introduced me to an understanding called the three principles, 
and the three principles are fundamental things that underpin all human experience. And they're principles like gravity is a principle. They operate on you whether you know what it's called or not, or whether you understand how it works or not. And the principles are of thought, mind, and consciousness. The principle of thought being that all your feelings come from your thoughts. They don't come from your external experience. The principle of consciousness is the human ability to be aware of all that. And the principle of mind is that we have our intellectual mind, our, our ego, our thinking mind, but mind in this context is also that universal energy. And some people call it source or chi or God. There are lots of names for it, but it has an intelligence of its own. And as soon as you, the human, relax, your own thinking mind, then it will become clear to you what is the obvious next step. And that's what I've been doing and living in parallel with the improv, in parallel with daily life for probably seven or eight years now. People tell me I'm less tense, I'm more serene. It's the secret of inner peace as far as I'm concerned. And it has made all the difference. Uh, the year after I'd gone through this coaching program, I probably generated four times what I'd earned the year before. So it also made a financial difference in practical terms, even though that's not what we talked about with the coaching, just because I stopped overthinking what I put on quotes. So life has become easier in terms of having that financial difference and that's afforded you to have lots more fun, which has been great. Do you see purpose as being an essential or a nice to have? I don't know. I just don't think like that. <laughs> and it's really interesting that you don't because a lot of people don't think like that way. And it's just a case of, it's there, it's part of who we are, or, or it may not be, or it may be that it comes in different forms. And you talked about the way that the mind has its intelligence of its own, and we are also unique. And that's what the show I have here is by sharing that that is what happens, that we are all unique, we approach things in different ways, that there is no set one way. And it's really important for, for me to, to highlight that and showcase that on the show, that people have different routes and that there is no one set way. There is no one set route. There are all of these different options. And we have the opportunity, and you said it earlier, that we have the opportunity to, to make that decision, to choose and decide what you want. And that's what you have done. And, and you are at peace with that, which is fabulous. So what's next on the agenda for Jackie Barry? The Unboring book is what's next. People have been asking me for it ever since lockdown. And the only reason it's not out yet is, well, one, I'm too busy with client work and making time to do my own writing is one of those deadlines that always slips. Uh, but another is that I keep having more ideas. And so I'm just trusting that when it's ready, the time will be right. And it is nearly there, I promise. It's, it's fascinating. You are so creative and you have this sort of 
intense ideation and focus. And so, as you said, the experiential speaking book was all just came from within and lots of ideas and lots of and fantastic that you've pushed out there. And it is a really great resource. I highly recommend anybody who wants to bring their workshops to life more so than they probably think is possible, then just dip into this book and pull a full few exercises. Do you have any favorites from your any of your books? The one I used most often before lockdown, I call Snowball Fight. And it has so many ways of being adapted. And having shared it at various PSA groups, I know lots of speakers are using it for their own outcomes as well. And that means I've got to think of something new. So keeping things different in case audience members experience it more than once and then it gets boring to them. And that is where you give them a piece of paper uh, in advance, which might be marked out in boxes for them to write in like a tweet with 140 or 280 characters or might be a plain piece of paper. And you task them with writing something. If I'm training recruiters how to write better job ads, I might get them to write an ad for their own job. If I'm training journalists who want to become copywriters or marketing teams who want to boost their copywriting skill, it might be to complete the sentence copywriting is or it could be in a networking context, getting people to write some fascinating fact about themselves that the other people in the room don't know. And then they screw it up, throw it around the room. That's the snowball fight. And then everybody picks up a piece of paper and I will pick up a rolled up piece of paper as well, open it out, read it out, and then we'll work out who that person is and find out a bit more about what it is they've written. Another way of using it if you're a speaker is to get the Q&A done using these uh, screwed up balls of paper. When I launched the experiential speaking book, which was in a pub in Charing Cross, I had the audience write their questions and then throw them to me at the front of the room. And then I could pick up all these snowballs and answer each question one by one. And you can actually control the questions that way, because if someone's asked something inappropriate, what you're reading out might not be what's written there. <laughs> uh, just in case uh, in a standard Q&A, an audience member takes you off on a tangent, uh, it gives you a fun way of taking back a bit more of that control. That's probably my favourite. I love that. It's a great it's a great exercise to use. I'm, I'm looking forward to be able to implement that one. So I'm boring. What's the plan? Do we have a date yet or is it to be decided of release? I would love to say September. In fact, I'll say September. But it is a movable deadline because what happens with books is even when you've got it ready, it then goes out for reviewers and for proofreading and checking, and then it has to make it to Amazon and wherever else it's going to be sold. There is a place where people can sign up if they're interested. It's the link unboring.uk, and that will redirect for the moment to the experiential speaking website where you can scroll down and give in your email address, and then you'll be among the first to know the minute that it's ready exciting times thank you Jackie so how else would people get in contact with you if it's about copywriting then it's writingwithoutwaffle.com 
And if it's about speaking and training, it's JackieBarry.com. I love that writing without waffle. Where did that come from? That came from a competitor. About a year after I'd been freelance copywriting, she wrote a recommendation for me on LinkedIn that said, Jackie Barry can write without waffle. That's so rare. And I thought, oh, I like that. I like the three W's. I do a lot of web copy and it makes sense to me. But it does only work in UK English because in American English, waffling means trying to decide between two things. And in Canadian English, it's a square thing. You put maple syrup on. Indeed it is. So they probably don't get the writing without waffle. They're like, we need waffle for our writing. (laughs) I love it. So thank you, Jackie. I'll make sure that those links go into the show notes. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and explore your why and hear more about how improv has allowed you or freed you to become more of the authentic fun self that has been hidden away. And thank goodness, because what a treat that is for all of us. So thank you for that. Do you have some final words for the audience, please, Jackie? If you've ever seen that film, Field of Dreams, the message there is, if you build it, they will come. But my sense from working in marketing for all these years is that's not true. It's going back to how we started this conversation about supply and demand, that the first job is research, researching what your audience wants and then making sure that your products, your services, and your brand messaging delivers the answers to their problems. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.